Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and the Apple ecosystem. This is episode number five. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is sponsored by Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. Today, we would like to welcome our guest, Wen May Hill, who is a photographer and editorial manager at DP Review and who coincidentally is a neighbor of Jeff's. Wen May, hi, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, an interesting thing about Wen May, she and I are neighbors. The way we actually met is. I think it was over at, it was a barbecue, and we both had cameras with us. And you were the neighborhood guy who takes pictures of it, all these things. And I come, I think I had two or three cameras with me because I was testing something or I was doing sample shots. And so you looked at me with my ridiculous assortment of cameras and we started talking cameras. And now you're the person who takes all the pictures in the neighborhood, which is great because in your job at DP Review, you get to play with a lot of different kinds of cameras. So uh, Kirk will be happy to know that Leicas show up all the time. I do lust for a Leica, even though I'm not a gear fanatic. They are fun. I have, I'm have. i shooting with one right now. And do, do you have that new C-Lux? No, I, I'm shooting with the SL because we're, um, we're shooting a gallery for the new 17mm Noct Deluxe portrait lens. And so it's actually, it's an M lens. So, Winmay, I know you through DP Review. Not all of our uh, listeners are familiar with DP Review. Can you just give me a real quick overview of... Uh, what it is and what you do there. Right. So DP Review is, I think we're the number one camera site on the internet, but we are um, a review site and we review cameras, lenses, accessories, all of the gear around photography. And we are a very scientifically based review site. And so our, our articles tend to be quite deep and technical but we also like to show the actual you know, art of photography and show what a camera can do, what a lens can do. And so my role there is on the editorial team, and I work with the editors to figure out what they're going to write about and to figure out the best type of content for our audience to try to... I, that's kind of my role now as content manager, content strategist, where I look at what are people in the photography world looking for and what questions can we answer using research and data and testing? I know that you are there because you have some very strong editorial chops, but obviously going to work for someplace like DP Review um, had to have a, a photographic basis. So without getting into a whole lot of history, like what brought you to photography? How did you get started? Did you... Well, I am... My mother is Taiwanese, which means there's never been a moment in my life that I haven't had a camera either pointed at me or right next to me. And so I was the person in high school and college who always had the camera that was just taking pictures of everything. I used to be an architect, and when I was studying architecture, I was also TAing the photography classes, so film photography, and teaching photography, and then doing architectural photography. And it wasn't until my first child was born that I switched to a DSLR because I really wanted to make sure I could capture him, especially when he was when he was running. That was kind of the, the differentiator that I couldn't use my old point and shoots anymore. And um, and I was already I already know how to use the camera and with all the film photography that I've been doing for up to that point twenty years. And so I switched to digital. And I've always been a very technical person. My background is in engineering and technology. And my prior jobs have always been in IT and technology. 
So a, a company like Deep Review is a perfect fit because it's the technical side of the art that I love to do. Do you still shoot film at all? I do. I shoot it. I, I don't you don't, I don't develop, uh, it? develop it very often. <laughs> <laughs> I have rolls of film that I've shot. Really? That's the, the thing about film is I, I started shooting film in the 80s. It's just, it's, there's too many steps. You have to do so many things. You have to develop. You have to get your contact sheets or your slides or whatever. Then you decide what to print. And if you're printing it yourself, it's all the chemicals and they all smell and they're expensive. Yeah, exactly. I used to, I had a, a dark room in the supply closet when I was in college. And then I, so I had all of the chemicals and everything. And I used to take them with me every time I moved. And I, I think it was maybe only like eight years ago that I was finally like, okay, these giant jugs of chemicals that I have dragged around Seattle and California, Boston, I can finally let them go because they're 20 years old and probably not useful. And so they're gone now? They're gone now. You can't have them. Oh, I, I don't want them. I'm just picturing you thinking, you know what? This weekend, I'm going to develop all that film and then realize, no, it's all, all the bad. equipment's gone. Yeah. Oh, no. that's too bad. Someday I'll develop the film. <laughs> so I think shooting kids especially is something that comes up a lot. And, and I, th I think it's probably an issue with our listeners too. That step of, I want to take pictures of my kids, but they move too fast. So I need a better camera and, and move up to there. You shoot a lot more than just um, your kids, although I can attest they still move fast. What sort of other things do you shoot? I know you do some professional shooting in addition to DP Review. Yeah, I still run my photography business. So I do portraiture, I shoot events, I shoot weddings. But um, I've mostly scaled back on most of that. I just I have my clients that I've had a lot for years and years, and I continue to shoot for them. Is that something just because of, of time or interest? It's actually, it's because what I do shoot a lot for is actually, it's a group called Salumination. And uh, that is a local Seattle group that we photograph children facing life-threatening conditions, or we photograph parents of children if the parents are facing life-threatening um, conditions. And the goal of Salumination is to provide free portraiture, free legacy portraiture for these families. And it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about, and I've been shooting with Seoul for probably eight to 10 years. And I'm on the board there. And when, there, there was actually one point when I was a full-time photographer and I was talking to my husband about what I really love to do. And I was saying that, you know, the thing that I was most passionate about was either teaching, which is another side of what I do, but or shooting for Salumination. And he made the point that, so your favorite photography you do for free and no one can see it. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's not the best business case. <laughs> and so so I realized um, I needed to shift some things around to be able to shoot for Seoul. And so that's actually when I went back to a more corporate job so that I could stay within photography and, you know, but be able to have a, a steady job and then do my my actual portraiture for Salumination and not have to worry about having to get enough business and having to get enough clients. So Illumination, we'll have a link in the show notes. You were saying that these are photos that you take that aren't distributed to the public. It's only the parents and the children. Uh, I can't do portrait photography. I'm not particularly interested in it because of the technique of actually having to deal with people. 
I can do portraits of my cats. That's really easy. It must be really difficult when you're dealing with kids with life-threatening conditions to get that sort of connection between the photographer and the subject to make portraits. Yeah, I think it's a little different when I'm shooting for Slumination. Well, it depends on, on the child, if what kind of condition the child is. And sometimes it can just be engaging with them like a typical family shoot. And I think for them, too, they really enjoy just being treated. You know, this is just a normal family shoot. And they have someone who's just treating them normally. And they may be in a position where they might be treated differently because they've been through so many medical procedures or something. Um, but there's also a lot of them, there is no interaction with the child. It's mostly me trying to be in the background and just capture those moments for the family. And I think in that case, you know, it's actually, it's, it's emotionally difficult. But one thing that the founder of Illumination, Lynette Johnson, told me at the very beginning, she said, you know, when you go in, you'll see the sorrow and you'll see the sadness. And you should feel that. But remember, it's not yours to own. And you, you let it be theirs. And you're there doing something that no one else can do for them at that time. And a lot of people might wonder, you know, why would I want photos of this difficult time? And for some of these families, it's the only photos that they will ever have. And for me to be able to give them that gift, because basically I, I know their child and I can say, you know, thank you for letting me, you know, introducing me to your child. And I know this, this child now, and I can give you something so that you can share this child with other people. And, and that's an incredibly meaningful thing to do. Yeah, you're creating memories for the parents, and, and that's really powerful. Right. When I first learned about Slumination, of course, the first thing that I thought of was, how do you approach a situation where you know there's not a good outcome? Is it a matter of purely shooting in the moment and not thinking about any of that ahead? Is it, um, like, do you find yourself getting more technical because you can focus on that or like what's the balance between being a, a technical photographer getting the right shots and being caught up in the moment i suppose well when i'm in the room i tend to um i don't get too emotionally caught up in it and I often, I will sit in the parking lot before for a long time prepping myself and after for a long time decompressing. And um, the director and other people at Illumination will often call and check in and just make sure you know, to take care of us emotionally. But that goes outside of the shoot. And so that enables me to be in the shoot and just focusing on, you know, my, my job there is to capture these important memories and this is this might be the one opportunity to capture these memories for this family and so i don't actually shoot quite as technically as i would normally for for clients or definitely not deep review is the most technical that i shoot I'm, i make sure that everything is tack sharp and but um for illumination the goal is more for legacy photography and so my goal is to get as many details as i can to the family and so I'm just making sure things are in focus and that I'm showing those important things that I know as a parent I would want to see, like the fingers and the toes and the ears and the nose and, you know, all of these details of your child that can, you know, that make up the child, as well as those interactions between the important people in the child's life, so the family members, the siblings. I'm guessing that when you're shooting photos like that, you're using as little gear as possible. 
you don't want lights and reflectors and soft boxes and things like that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have a flash because hospital rooms can be difficult lighting, but typically I won't use it and I'll just have, I'll bring a 2470 right. and my full frame camera with good low light performance so that I can shoot at a high ISO. Because those shots too, I mean, we print them for them and we give them the digitals, but if it's a little grainy, it doesn't matter. The important thing is that I captured the shot. So a lot of people look for personal projects that they can photograph, and, and they may decide to photograph their neighbors. They may decide to photograph flowers in their garden or kids at school or something like that. But what you're doing doesn't seem like it's so much a personal photography project. It's more of a volunteering project to help people, and the photography is incidental. Yes, I would agree. It's it's a way that I, I would want to be helping these families regardless, and the fact that I have the skills to be able to provide the photography is just the way that I can do it. But I would probably still be working with the group as a volunteer for other things, even if I weren't doing the photography. And how many people volunteer taking photographs for this? We have about 40 volunteer photographers and, um, and they are picked, you know, not just anybody can, can volunteer. Like we have, you have to have a certain skill level you have to be able to shoot in a legacy way because, um, you know, all the trendy things in photography, like matte or selective color, goodness, or, um, or like really wide. And Instagram filters and vignettes. Yeah, and, yeah. all of those things, you, you can't have that. And so it has to be people who can just shoot crisp, clean photos. Um and then also just being able to interact. You have to have the right personality to be able to step into that space and be comfortable there. And, you know, sometimes I'll be in families that don't even speak English. And, and that's challenging if you're used to always being able to direct your your subjects. And in a soul shoot, I'm very rarely directing anybody. You mentioned uh, legacy shooting. and I'm not exactly sure what that is or, or um, sorry, legacy style. Can you tell me more about what that means? Well, legacy style is basically it'll stand the test of time. And so we convert all of our photos into black and white. And we give them to the family in both color and black and white. But everything has to be converted into black and white, too. And so it's it's a style that lends itself to be able to be converted well and, and to stand the test of time. So 30 years from now, you look at this photo and you see the emotion and the connection and the compassion in the photo. You're not distracted by whatever the photo trend from 1992 was. Right. Do you find yourself uh, doing some direction, or does it really depend on the circumstance? It depends. There, because sometimes I'll I'll actually do a shoot outside, and then it's just a normal family shoot, and. The only thing that is different is we have to pay attention to things like often there will be tubes and cords and stuff, but um, that would just be a typical family shoot. But when I'm in the room, I do is the direction I do is usually limited to getting the child in the right light, and so that would that might mean moving the furniture around a little bit to so that I can get the right light. But otherwise, you know, I just try to disappear a little, and sometimes. You know, sometimes the families will have specific photos they want, and they'll ask me, and then I will, I will do some photo coaching to get them in the right positions. But often they just, you know, let me disappear, and I'm, I just kind of go around and make sure I'm getting the shots that I can without interrupting what they're doing. 
We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Wen May Hill about some of her other interesting projects. The Photoactive Podcast is brought to you by Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. Take Control publishes books about Apple hardware and software, including books by Jeff and me. Take Control Books help you understand your Mac or iOS device, focusing on topics such as keeping your devices working well, privacy, security, and how to use popular Apple and third-party apps. Take Control Books are published like software. We offer free bug fixes and minor updates and discounted upgrades to new editions. Some Take Control books that might interest you include Jeff's Take Control of Your Digital Photos and Take Control of Lightroom CC, Jason Snell's Photos, a Take Control Crash Course, and I've written Take Control books about iTunes, Scrivener, Launch Bar, and Audio Hijack. We have a special offer for photoactive listeners. You can get 30% off any book using the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to TakeControlBooks.com slash PHOTOACTIVE that's photoactive in one word, and you'll get the discount automatically. Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. So, when May, I know that the way that you got into Salumination was through another group, and that would be Mamas with Cameras. I'd like to talk about that too. So, what is Mamas with Cameras? So, Mamas with Cameras is a photo community that my photo partner, who I shoot events and weddings with, Mary Balmaceda. Um, she and I started ten, nine years ago. And it started as a way of just being able to gather in community with other women who are photographing your children and learn together. And it's grown from that. It, before it was just, uh, we would meet once a month and have a speaker who would talk about some compelling subject in photography and and this is all free. And then after about a year of that, some of the mamas who were part of the group wanted to get some, wanted to catch up with where the rest of us were in our knowledge. And so they asked us to do some workshops to help them catch up. And so now it's grown into workshops as well. And we do intro to digital photography, uh, shooting in manual. We've done Lightroom and processing. We have a flash or off-camera flash thing in the works. We did photo books, just a number of different um, workshops where we can help women really learn how to master their digital cameras and not be afraid of all of the, you know, the buttons and the technology, teach them the practical things that they need to know specifically to photograph their children at different stages of life. Um, But it's also, it's not limited to just moms, but it is just for women. We wanted a, just a women's community for photography. One thing that I've noticed in photography is if you compare it to a lot of other tech areas, computers, for example, it's mostly male. Um, You look in anything that is technical, and it's the men who do most of it and who make the most noise and all that. But I see in photography groups that I'm in that there are far more women than there are in other areas, even though a a camera is a sort of a computer today. Any idea why that is? Why that there there are so many women? Why are so many women interested in photography in the technical domain where it's often men who outweigh women in technical areas? Well, I think it's because so much of it is about the creativity and the memory capturing. And I, I feel like a lot of women, the goal is the outcome. 
the, so the goal is the photo. It's not the camera. It's not the gear or the technology. So they use the technology to get what they're going for rather than using the technology for the sake of using the technology. Right. What I often see in discussions is the women are talking about their photos and the guys are talking about their lenses and their pixel peeping and all of their specific settings in Lightroom and everything. Right. And a lot of time, even when we are talking about the technical specifics, it's not, you know, is this a better lens? It's I'm trying to get this shot. Will this lens do it for me? And what do I need to know to be able to get this shot? And they're not, you know, one thing that has frustrated me with a lot of the women's photography groups or anything that's focused towards women photographers is they tend to dumb down the technology a fair amount and treat us like we won't understand it. And, you know, we'll make it really simple for you. Just push this button and you'll get a beautiful picture. And, you know, I'm a very technical person and a lot of my, my female friends are also very technical. We understand the technology. We're not necessarily huge fans of the technology where we're following it because of the fact of the technology, but we can understand it just fine. And that's what this, what Mamas with Cameras, we don't dumb things down. We just pick out the, the practical things. And, you know, some, there are some women and men, you know, just some photographers that don't care about that stuff. They just want to know how to get the good shot and we can help them. But there's also some who only, you know, it's easier for them to understand how to do something if they understand how it works. And we can answer those questions too. And so we try to span the entire range. It's interesting how cameras are marketed today. A couple months ago, I was looking at some Olympus web pages. The Olympus Pen F is sold with a picture of a guy with a hipster beard in black and white looking really cool. And I, I think it's the EPL9, which is the, the, it's in the similar line, the pen line. And you've got the woman in high heels and long blonde hair with the expensive handbag and all that. And it's really funny because they're marketing that to sort of fashion bloggers and people who take food pictures on Instagram. There are plenty of women photographers who take really, really good pictures and would probably be better off with the Pen F or the more expensive, more more technically advanced camera than the smaller, quick, as you said, just press the button, everything will be okay. Right. Well, especially a lot of women or moms are taking pictures of their children and you actually need a fair amount of technical, you know, power behind you to be able to do that well because you need the AF performance, you need the low light performance. Uh, dynamic range is great for the variety of settings that you're doing. I mean, there are a lot of things in there that when you think about which, what kind of gear you need for professional sports or action, there's actually a fair amount of crossover for what you need to photograph a three-year-old who's just running around and you can't control them. And and so we, it, it's, it's pretty funny because we, you know, what we say in Mamas with Cameras is if you can photograph, if you can photograph a group of five, four-year-olds, then you can pretty much do anything <laughs> because they won't listen to you and they're going to go up and down and they're not going to stay in the good light. And, you know, you have to be able to, you know, work on the fly and catch them and get those shots. And you have to really understand your gear to be able to do that effectively. We were talking about iPhone photography in a previous episode. And the question is, when you have something like an iPhone, which really does do a lot of that for you, do you, do you have people coming to Mamas with cameras who are like, I have an iPhone, I just want to get better pictures of that? Or 
are you really appealing to um, women who want to take that DSLR step or um, be more technical? I think we appeal more to the women who are looking for that. They want to make the jump from a phone or a point and shoot to a, some like an ILC of some kind, mirrorless or DSLR. But we also, we do have women in who come who come to our meetups. We, we just had a photo walk last night and one of the moms had her iPhone and that was her phone. Uh, that was her camera. And that's totally legitimate because we're talking a lot about not just the technical side, but okay, here's how you compose and here's here's what you're looking for. Here's the light that would be good and here's how you might angle this. And so we give a lot of compositional tips. We give a lot of tips around what moments you might want to try to capture and different milestones or things you might not think about to photograph. So there are a lot of people who just shoot with their phones too. And sometimes, you know, I get a lot of questions, both being my association with Mamas with Cameras as well as DP Review of should I buy this camera or should I buy this new lens or, you know, recently I've been getting the comparison between do I buy the iPhone 10 or the DSLR? And sometimes my answer is I would go for the iPhone 10. You know, for, for what you're shooting, for what you need, it would make more sense to go for the phone because you're going to have it with you all the time and you're more likely to get the shots you're looking for. When I would say, you know, you need to look at a different type of cameras when you actually need the technical capabilities of you need the better low light performance, you need the faster AF, you need reach, you need to be able to zoom, that type of thing. I would say that someone who's opting for the real camera, the term I used in our iPhone episode to distinguish a camera from a, a pocket computer, are the people who are probably going to be a little bit more committed going down the line because the phone is still just a phone or a pocket computer, whereas the camera, if they get involved into it, they're going to be exploring what it can do and they're going to want to exploit what it can do. And obviously, any real camera can do a lot more than an iPhone. But of course, we all know anyone who can take good pictures can take good pictures with an iPhone as well. Right. And I think it's interesting how the iPhone is sort of, it's whetting the appetite for a lot of people to do better photography. Because now, and it's not just the iPhone, but any you know camera phone that can do the portrait mode, the blurred background, it's setting an expectation for the everyday user that, oh, this is what a portrait can look like. I want my portraits to look like that. And it used to be that was only in the realm of the professional photographers, how to get that look. And now it's not. But it also, you know, sometimes people can think of that as threatening, that you're infringing on, on us, on us as, as photographers. But I think it's actually, it's expanding the opportunities because it's getting people more interested in being able to create those shots and the the pro photographers there's other ways to set yourselves apart i mean there's so many different aspects to being a a successful photographer and if you're banking on your ability to use a wide aperture or an open aperture to get a blurry background then maybe you might want to dive a little deeper and learn a little bit more and have other tricks that you can bring that you can't do with the iPhone. I'm glad you said blurred background and you didn't use the B word, which I think is really foolish. When I shot film, that word didn't exist. No one ever said that. 
But isn't there a risk that this portrait mode is going to become a gimmick and people get tired of it, just as we've all gotten tired of long exposure pictures of pieces of wood sticking out of a river that looks like glass? I don't think portrait mode will become a gimmick because I, I think that's that's appealing to a core part of what we love about photos. It's not it's not a new thing that's like, oh, that's cool for right now. It's you know, it's basically you're separating out your subject, you're isolating your subject, and you're able to really focus on what is important in that photo. And I think that will always be something that is compelling to people. You're obviously very busy. You have a lot of different interests. Are there areas that you um, are still interested in exploring? Any other types of photography that you haven't done? Like, like what's next? What's What's the next big picture thing? Well, I think for me, it's always about learning and teaching. And so with Mamas with Cameras, if someone pays attention to the different, the monthly meetups, you'll, the ones that Mary and I choose to do, it's basically our interest. Like we say, oh, we want to learn how to do macro photos of flowers. So we invite in someone to teach us about macro photos of flowers. And we keep kind of pushing the limit because we don't want the women in our group to, to get trapped in that cycle of you're just a mom with a camera and you just take pictures of kids. You know, they get really interested in photography and we want to keep pushing it. Let's look at these other things. Let's figure out how to use flash. Let's, you know, figure out why would you want this lens or that lens and use it in the right way. And so personally, I just keep pushing those boundaries too, especially with the new technology. Whenever there's something new that comes out, I'm lucky that I have a group around me at work who can who understand it inside and out. And so I can very quickly understand the benefits or the potential of new technology. And I explore it myself to see how is that, how is that relevant for the way I shoot my daily shooting. And then I pass it on to the, the women in Mamas with Cameras and the other people, not just women, but the other photography groups that I'm on in with the other photography groups that I'm in. Um, just to try to show, you know, this technology isn't scary. It's actually enabling you to even be more creative or to have more control over your creativity. It never has to be a, you know, a choice between are you technical or are you creative? The, the technical side enables you to grow your creativity. And so it's just sharing that and learning that is um, learning more about it and being able to help other people learn it and see how to apply it. I just want to keep doing that. I think you just wonderfully encapsulated what we hope to do with this podcast. Great. That's fantastic. Exactly. Thanks very much for joining us, Wenmei. There'll be links in the show notes to all of Wenmei Hill's projects. And do check them out, especially if you are in Seattle, where Wenmei is, and you're a mama with a camera and you want to learn more. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Jeff, it's time to talk about our snapshots, the things that we decided we want to talk about briefly this week. What have you got? I am going to snapshot... A, a book um, by actually someone that uh, Wenmei and I both know. Um, it's a book called Anatomy of a Studio Portrait by John Cornicello. Um, I've known John for years. He used to work at Adobe um, a long time ago, and he's an amazing portrait photographer and one of those people who just has so much knowledge in his head about lighting, about portrait photography, that Finally, I'm glad that he sat down and said, all right, I'm going to put all this in a book. Uh, it's it's a great resource if you are doing any sort of portrait photography, I mean, especially studio-related, but it covers a, a huge amount about how to work with light and depth of field. Um, we'll have a, a link in the show notes. It, it's a great book. 
And how about you, Kirk? What's yours? I decided to choose a piece of gear this week, which is not something I will be doing often. It is the Peak Design Cuff. I really like these Peak Design gizmos. It's It's got a little anchor that you put in the, what do you call the O-ring that's connected to the camera, and that anchor has a little disc that slides into the strap, and they have a number of different straps. The cuff is, is a wrist strap. Um, there are three different sizes of regular straps that you can put around your neck or over your shoulder. And what I really like about the Peak Design thing is that I can put these little anchors on my cameras and switch straps very quickly from one to another. I generally sling a camera over one shoulder and hanging down the other side, and I find that comfortable. But sometimes when I'm just walking around taking pictures in the street, I'd rather have a wrist strap because it doesn't get in the way. And I'm not the kind of person who can use a strapless camera because this, this is a lot of money if it hits the ground too hard. So the, the model I have is the previous one. They've just updated it recently. It's about $30. It's really good for a single strap, but it's also really interesting if you want to get into their ecosystem and be able to get multiple straps and change straps on your cameras. So it's the Peak Design Cuff and links in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 30% off any purchase at Take Control Books with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to takecontrolbooks.com slash photoactive. That's photoactive in one word, and you'll get the discount automatically. Until next week, thanks again for listening.